any leadership qualities that I have definitely were developed. Um, I, maybe the, the seeds were there, you know, watching my mother, she led the household. Um, I mean, I guess if it was super important, I'm going to have to run this by your dad, but mom made the day-to-day decisions. And I saw that mom made the plans for the family mom, you know, and, um, and I think all the women in our family just do that. And my brothers kind of defer to their wives to do that because that's just kind of the dynamics that went on in our house growing up. Welcome to She Leads Podcast. I'm your host, Thea, and I'm so glad you joined us today. This is a podcast about leadership, faith, and relationships. And I started this because there was an empty place, a place where I felt like a female voice and experience and uh, perspective was needed in the world of leadership. So thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so glad you're here. And today we have a very, very special guest. Uh, I have invited my mother to come on and talk to me a little bit about her leadership journey, um, what she's seen in my journey from her perspective, and even where God is still leading her today. So I'm really excited that you tuned in for this very special episode. So mom, uh, welcome. I'm glad you're here. Thank you. Thank you for having me, sweetheart. Thank you. Thank you. Um, this is going to be really, really special. So, um, yeah, let's just jump into it. Let's not worry about any fluff or any silliness. Um, so I thought we could start today talking about leadership from the perspective of childhood experiences. I firmly believe that our childhood experiences are the most crucial to our adult reality. Um, Yes, we grow and continue to be molded and learn from adult experiences along the way, but those childhood experiences really have a foundational piece of who we are. Um, I always joke and say, I don't care what your zodiac sign is. Tell me what your birth order is, because that's a much greater telling of who you really are, right? How were you raised in your family? What's your order of birth? How were you, how, what was your, what's your home life like? Um, and so thinking about, uh, starting this podcast and my leadership journey, I wanted to invite you on to talk a little bit about your childhood experiences, you know, from a leadership lens, where, what were some of those key points and, uh, along your, along your childhood that you began to really, that, that developed you as a leader. And then to talk a little bit about, how you see uh, my childhood experiences from your perspective as well. So let's start with you. Tell me about your childhood um, and maybe some key experiences that have led your leadership today. Hmm. Well, I hadn't thought about it in those terms before. Um, I grew up in a different time. My generation, the parents did not hang out with the children. Um, They were you know, we weren't ignored, we weren't neglected, we weren't unloved, anything crazy like that. But the kids hung with the kids and the adults hung with the adults. And, you know, that's how it was. So um, we, my siblings and I, that's what we did. We played together, we talked together, we cried together, we took care of each other's injuries, you know, and things like that. Um, parents were always available and accessible and we, they weren't cold or callous or anything like that. It just, uh, just seems today's generation seems to be more, uh, friendly and, you know, do everything together and that kind of thing. We had moments, we had times, you know, I had my special times with mom. There was five of us too, though. And so, you know, you had to vie for that time <laughs> with the parents. Um, all, all good memories. I remember crawling up in my mom's lap and reading. 
and she did give me that that love of reading. She gave it to all of us, and I'm really happy about that. I remember Dad coming in, and he would dance with us and listen to our music, and you know, um, I never felt like my parents were unapproachable or anything like that, but they didn't hang out with us, mm-hmm. so we had to figure things out on our own. And um, I've seen a lot of stuff on Facebook and whatnot about you know our generation and. And a lot of what they're saying, and even though it's tongue in cheek, is very true. It was uh, get up, eat your cereal, do your chore, and get out the house. Mm-hmm. See you when the lights, when the street lights come on. Mm-hmm. And so we had to just figure things out ourselves, mm-hmm. you know. And we um, also got to use our imaginations a lot, and we got to dream, and we got to try things, and we found out what worked and what didn't work. Um, but we were fearless because there was no one hovering over us, mm-hmm. I and mean, we would literally be gone all day get on our bikes and go poke dead things in the <laughs> in the ditch and um and just figure out what we wanted to do you know um i've always been very imaginative and i was always happy to say let's do this and let's do that you know and i don't know why but people would just get on board so um and it wasn't just me and my siblings this is all the neighborhood kids so we weren't running around solo by any means there was a pack of us you know <laughs> Um, running around the neighborhood and just creating scenarios and games and coming up with new ideas and um, to entertain ourselves or figure something out if we wanted to rebuild a bicycle or whatever it was we wanted to do, you know, and we, and we had a lot of free reign to do that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So um, it was just, uh, mostly good memories. Yeah. You know? I love that you you're mentioning this idea of the amount of freedom you had mm. gave you kind of the reins to be creative um, and to explore and dream up new ideas. You also mentioned it was, you know, you had the ability to to practice saying, hey, what about this? And people got on board. And then probably the next time you had a fun or different idea, you're more willing to offer it because people got on board. But again, it was that freedom and that create that space to be creative Mm -hmm. that allowed you to develop that imagination. And then even to try some new and maybe wild things, even if it was just different to you and your, your crew. Sure. Um, I love that idea of like, that you had that freedom to be creative and that was an opportunity to practice your leadership and even discover it. I think innovation is key for leadership, especially today. Um, this willingness to dream and the capacity to do so. Um, so few people are comfortable dreaming um, or have even ever been invited or been allowed to. Mm. And so that's interesting how you're able to make that connection. It was that um you know, again, from today's standards, maybe uh, wild that kids were running around all day by themselves, but it was in that freedom that you were able to find that creativity. Right. And and don't get me wrong. We weren't like a gang and the whole neighborhood watched out for the whole neighborhood. Yeah. So, I mean, if we did do mm. something across the line, somebody's mom was calling somebody's mom to let them know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. but we were free to. Yeah, if we were on our bikes three blocks away, well, we'll go by, you know, Joe's house and get a drink of water or use the bathroom mm-hmm. and somebody feed us a cheese sandwich or, yeah. you know, it was just, uh, they, we all just kind of looked out for each other. Yeah. You know, so we always knew we were safe. We always knew we could stop at any of the neighbor's houses or any of our friend's houses if we needed yeah. help, if somebody got hurt or whatever it was. 
you know, so we had that kind of safety net, you yeah. know, um, we weren't abandoned by any means and told, get out. We don't want to be around you. It was just go play, go imagine, go live, go. Mm -hmm. In a safe space, in a safe space, in a safe environment, which is, I think is also key. Um, so fast forward, uh, you're a mom, you're raising a young girl. What do you think as you look at where my life has led and some of my childhood experiences that may have, uh, uh, poured into, into my leadership today? Well, um, this is a little bit difficult because I don't want to speak for you. All right. So it's, you know, um, I may not be correct okay. in my assumptions. <laughs> <I'll tell you. laughs> but, you know, I look back and I know that um, you know, because of my experience with active alcoholism and addiction, that there's definitely there was uh, a lot more chaos than there should have been for any child. There was um, instability. There was, you know, um, I guess that's probably the two best words, mm -hmm. you know. But I also know, and, and it's just way on the other side, being able to look back, that despite that, um, I got some things right, mm. you know? I mean, no parent gets it all right, no matter what. No matter, the best of parents make mistakes, of course. We're all flying blind and just trying to be the best we can be. Um, I wanted to always lead with love, but I know that I was so ruled by fear mm. and trapped in that bondage of addiction that that didn't always come through. Mm. Um, so I know that there was probably times when you didn't feel completely safe or that I was completely reliable. Mm. You know, I was always there, but was I there? Mm. You know, um, I wanted to be, I meant to be, I tried to be, but I know that I couldn't always be. Mm. So, um, I know that you probably had to learn how to take care of yourself in some ways that, um, a lot younger than most other kids, mm. you know. Um, I remember that came to light to me when you went off to college. And I remember you called one time and you said, everybody else's parents are calling them and asking them if they're eating right and if, how are they doing and where's their laundry and do they have this and do they have that? And you never asked me those questions. Mm. And uh, it was because because you've always taken care of those things. It never occurred to me you would go to college and not. Mm -hmm. You know how to cook. You know how to do laundry. You know how to clean your room. You know how to take care of those things. So I just assumed you were still doing those things. And I understand that what you were saying was just ask about me, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but I remember just at the time it was like, why would I ask you that? Because you do those things. But you had to learn how to do those things very, very young. Mm -hmm. Um just a simple fact of you couldn't even be sure I was going to get you up for school on time, mm. you know, um, things like that. So um, some of the inconsistencies, you know, mm. made you have to be very self-reliant, I think, mm. a lot earlier than I wish it had been, mm. you know. Um, unfortunately, it's just the way it was, you know. But I think out of that, of course, later, you know, that through your faith journey and – God's amazing power, he's been able to take those quote-unquote negative experiences and use them for a positive, mm. you know. And and that's one of the great things is that even I can look back and say any of the mistakes I made, any of the things that I felt mm. bad about that I wish I could redo, today, honestly, I can say, no, I wouldn't redo it because it took all of that 
to get here. Mm. You know, was it uncomfortable? Could it have been better? Sure, maybe. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't. I. I don't think it could have been better. It was the way it was. That's who I was at the time. That's what was going on. So <laughs> I think we all do the best we can with what we have to work with. I just didn't really have a lot to work with at that time. Yeah. You know. So, but I also believe that some of the things that I gave you um, was you always had a voice. Um, I was always willing to hear your side of things. Uh, I wanted you to be free to express yourself, whether you were happy, sad, mad, frustrated, you know, whatever it was that you were free to express all of your emotions. There was nothing you weren't allowed to say or mm -hmm. do. Yeah. I mean, you have to behave appropriately, but mm -hmm. you know, you were, you were free to, to speak mm -hmm. your mind about how you felt about things, even about the rules I made or, you know, did it make, or, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so, um, because that was always very important to me that you were free to communicate and that you had a voice and knew your voice and were willing to use your voice. Yeah. I can agree with mostly everything you said. Oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. I mean, especially this part about the, um, the voice and, I can remember, t I mean, young, young, you know, if I try to throw a tantrum, you would say, take it, like, do the stomp to your room. Right. Like, you're allowed to do that, just not in this space. And even later, I remember being in high school um, and got into some real trouble. It wasn't just you're in trouble. It was like, okay, what happened? Tell me your side of the story. Tell me what's going on here. Um, and that, and I feel like that conversation lasted hours, <laughs> um, which maybe I was trying to like save myself in some sort of, but there was this space where my voice was always um, not only welcomed, but invited and encouraged, even in opposition. I remember in my younger college years when we would have so many disagreements, you know, about politics, because I knew everything at 20, <laughs> I would be like, mom, you, you raised me this way. <laughs> What do you mean? How, I mean, you raised me to be vocal and to be, even to, and in some ways to be rebellious and to push against the standards and to ask questions, you know? Um, and so I can agree with all of that. Um, you mentioned earlier, you know, battling with, with active alcoholism. Um, share how getting sober changed um, our relationship and then maybe even how that has led into your, your leadership. Oh, goodness. Uh <laughs> Any leadership qualities that I have definitely were developed. Um, I mean, maybe the, the seeds were there, you know, watching my mother, she led the household. Um, I mean, I guess if it was super important, I'm going to have to run this by your dad. But mom made the day-to-day -day decisions. And I saw that. Mom made the plans for the family. Mom, you know. And, um, and I think all the women in our family just do that. And my brothers kind of defer to their wives to do that because that's just kind of the dynamics that went on in our house growing up. But, um, well, you were uh, 12 when I got sober. And, and it wasn't like, oh, I quit drinking and overnight everything went rosy. You know, there's still the struggle of that early recovery that has been a slow journey for me for sure. Um, and having to learn a whole new perspective and a whole new way to live my life. Um, it has absolutely affected every area of my life, 100%. And I know that just like you lived with every nuance of the active um, alcoholism, that you also lived with every nuance of the recovery. And it was so good that my friends in recovery reminded me of that, mm -hmm. that there were going to be things and seeds that were planted in you through my sobriety that may not even be evident till way later, mm -hmm. you know, but 
because you're living with the day in, day out of it. So um, what it gave me was, you know, just a new perspective on life, a willingness to believe, a willingness to constantly search for solution and the tools on how to do that, um, how to get rid of that negative self-talk, how to uh, understand that, Yes, there are always going to be areas in my life that I can improve on, that I have opportunities for growth and maybe a challenge, but that's not the whole story, you know, and to recognize I do have good qualities. I do have good traits. I do have strengths and that it's not, it's not about bragging about them. It's just knowing them and mm. relying on them. You know, mm. um, I remember someone shared with me, you know, don't throw your pearls before swine. Well, sure. You got to be able to recognize swine, but you also have to your pearls mm -hmm. and it was just a whole new wow you know so many things that I had never considered um, that kind of way to look at them so what I found is that I just followed the program that was given to me did what they asked me to do got the results they told me I would get and you know I, I would hope that that could bring hope to someone else mm -hmm. you know especially other women um, that's where my heart is you know um, when they look at me and say, well, she walked through this, she walked through this. And it's not because I'm special. It's not because I'm extraordinary. It's because what was given to me works because the power of God works because I learned how to tap into that power. I learned how to make it a part of my daily life and let it guide me, you know, and help me implement the principles that the program of recovery gives me and teaches me. Yeah. So when other women look at me, it's like, yes, you can do it. Absolutely, you can do it, you know? Yeah. So. I remember um, probably a couple, maybe six or eight years, again, being in early college and um, just coming home and, and going to meetings with you. This is what you're doing. This is, mm -hmm. this is your life. And um, just seeing the impact that your willingness to uh, share your story was making. I just can remember sitting in those rooms with Women, I didn't know. I, I didn't know their stories. I didn't know what they'd experience, but how they would, and, and this continues, right, to sh continue to share how your um, authenticity and your honesty had led them to, to, to stay sober, um, to get sober again, mm -hmm. to keep coming back um, to this place of this willingness to be vulnerable and to be honest and um, to watch you so boldly go into that. I also remember, you know, I was, I was 12. And so definitely remember your first getting sober and it was like, um, well, this is the new thing you do. And, <laughs> um, and just how, you know, courageous that was, um, for you to, to actually do something different. So many addicts stay stuck, can't find the hope or the next step or a belief that it could be better. And even though, there's a probably, you know, sometimes I could argue those first few years were a little worse um, because this was this whole new life that I didn't know how to do this. Right. We didn't know how to be a sober family. <laughs> we didn't know what to do when we weren't doing what we'd always done. And so that was really difficult, you know, end up leading to, you know, the marriage falling apart and those kinds of things. It was just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought everything's supposed to get better. Um, but then continuing to see you just keep keep showing up and keep and saying, this has got to do it. <laughs> like <laughs> there is no other option. Um, and then again, that willingness of so many, um, of you to share your story so honestly 
and authentically, but then also for these women to, to see that. Um, I just remember being like blown away so many times of just like, wow, especially because maybe at that time I was really wrestling with how much I had experienced. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm like, how can y'all be over here? Like, kind of like, what are y'all, what are y'all celebrating? (laughs) This was rough, you know, but not not yet recognizing the beauty. And you mentioned something, you know, that God can work out of all, all things. And my, my favorite quote is just that I do not believe God orchestrates bad things. That is not the God that I serve. And yet I do serve a God who, who uh, redeems all things, Mm -hmm. brings beauty and resurrection to all things, even the worst death possible. Mm -hmm. And can definitely see how um, God has done that in both of our lives, Uh, has been able to redeem and resurrect and make our lives completely new. Mm -hmm. Um, There's so many times that I'm like, wow, I'm not, I'm not the 12 year old girl. I'm not the eight year old. I'm not even the 18 year old who's still wrestling and, and, and confused with some of those things, um, and have seen the complete same in you, you know, that you're a whole new, you're, this is not the woman I grew up with right, right. <laughs> uh, in so many ways. And, and what a blessing that is, because I don't know if we would have the relationship we have now, mm-hmm. right. I can probably guess we wouldn't. Right. Um, and so what a, what a beautiful thing that we can be able to both move forward and be renewed into something new. So talk to me about leadership in sobriety. Um, what are some of those experiences you've had and what have you gained um, from those that willingness to not only show up and receive, be made new, but then also to serve, to give, to lead? Well, um, you know, the program of recovery is very clear that you cannot keep this if you don't give it away. Mm. And mm. I always say I was raised up right in my recovery because uh, I have been encouraged, strongly suggested, um, voluntold. Uh, <laughs> it was just kind of understood that you will do service work. Mm. Um, the basis of, of, you know, what always gets me into trouble is selfishness and self-centeredness and mm-hmm. you know, going through my entire life worried about my next five minutes. Mm. So it's a very big thing um, in recovery to serve and to give something back. And what I've seen is the people that I admired, and it took me a while to like put this together, um, but the people whose recovery I admired, who had the kind of life I wanted, and I'm not talking about the outside life. I'm talking about they were content. They were growing. They were learning. They were not talking about the same problems a year later. You know, they had good relationships. They were comfortable in their sobriety. Um, they were the givers. Mm. They were the givers. And I uh, you get there, we're all takers by nature. Mm-hmm. And so this goes against everything because I'm, what about me? What about me? What about mm-hmm. me? Well, what about you? You're fine. Go help somebody else. Mm-hmm. And whether it's you've got two days and you're showing them where the bathroom and the coffee bar is, or, you know, you've got two years and you're telling them what this book says and how it applied to your life. So um, it started out real simple things, you know, literally cleaning ashtrays, straightening up tables before and after meetings. Real simple stuff like that, but you know, it was always like you're going to do this, mm-hmm. and um, and then you know, you start leading meetings. You know, they need a volunteer to lead. Oh, I don't know how to do that. Oh, I don't know enough. Can you read a piece of paper? It tells you what to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got a whole book there. Open it. Pick a topic. Read any paragraph. It's going to be fine. You know, yeah. and you know, learning how to get my ego out of it. it wasn't about me. It was about creating a space 
for these people to come and share their experience, yeah. which is what I needed. And it's important for me. And then somebody, crazy person, comes up and says, can you take me through this process? Uh, <laughs> you know? yeah. And knowing that it's not about doing anything in their life. It's about walking with them on their journey and sharing my journey with them because that's all I really have. I have my experience and I have what's been written down in a beautiful blue book that's worked for 90 years. Mm -hmm. So if I do that and tell them, this is what I did, here, trust me, I know a thousand things that don't work. I know a lot more <laughs> stuff that don't work, okay? <laughs> because, of course, you know, I'm trying to tweak. I'm looking for my shortcuts. I'm looking for my loopholes, and, and they never work. You know, and I, I was just very blessed. I had the great people, strong leaders in front of me. You know, I was like, tell people, I don't have anything original. It came mm. out of this book. Or they told me. Yeah. So now I'm telling you. And um, I can tell you my experience. When I applied these principles, I got the results they told me I'd get. When I did it, I got the results they told me I would get. And um, it's so important. This was the first yeah. place that I was ever able to be with absolutely no mask. Mm. absolutely no mass that I was welcomed and encouraged. And, yes. and I learned to do that because they were doing that. Yes. They were telling their gut level, honest to God, real truth. Yes. And it was like, Oh my gosh, you think that yes. way too. Oh my gosh, you feel that way too. Oh my gosh, I'm not alone. Oh my gosh, I'm not weird. I'm not crazy. Yes. You know, and, okay. and you found a way and you don't, you don't do that anymore. Well, tell me more. Wow. Tell me more. You mentioned that place without a mask. I remember you telling the story. Maybe you can tell it better if, if it comes to your memory too, about when you work downtown in the high rises, the way I remember you telling the story is you'd get up every day and put on your costume. costume. Mm -hmm. Say more. What did you mean by yeah. that? Well, because that was, you know, I worked in the corporate world and this is how they expected you to look and be like, oh my gosh, we had to wear pantyhose. It was horrible. <laughs> <sighs> Different time. Got, thank goodness we got past all that. But, uh, you know, and, and I always felt like an imposter. I always felt like these are not my people, you know, and I don't really know exactly what they want from me. And I've got to go in here and perform mm -hmm. and not just do my job duties, but literally be somebody I'm not, mm. you know. And part of that was based in my own self-doubt, insecurities, you know, um, not believing in myself and things mm -hmm. like that. Part of that was still needing a lot of outside validation. Yes, that's true. But at the same time, there is this expectation, you know, um, in that world that this is how you behave. This is how you dress. This is the things you're allowed to speak of and not speak of and the way you speak of them, you know, and I'm like, I'm just a redneck girl from Pasadena, <laughs> learned to type yeah. and I've got some good management skills, you know, I was very good at performing the tasks of my job, mm -hmm. but I never felt like I belonged there. Mm. Uh, and it was it was like I couldn't wait to just get home and get out of that suit mm. and just be me yeah know? and so I love that how you get to a place of authenticity in the rooms mm -hmm. right and um and really the only way you can get to those rooms is if you're willing to be honest right yeah. right if you're willing to be honest about what's really going on mm -hmm. that what you're trying this That's facade <laughs> this costume isn't working. Right. Right. And that to be able to, um, to show up and then begin to show up with more authenticity. And then you end up finding, um, I just was thinking, you know, back to that little girl who was running around the streets 
in the, the safe freedom, mm -hmm. right? I doubt you had on a costume then. No. You were yourself and you were with your peers and they welcomed you and celebrated you and you got to lead authentically. And then uh, maybe on another podcast for another day, we can talk, you know, what happened in between. <laughs> but either way, um, I've seen a lot of ways that uh, you, you don't wear a costume anymore, okay. you know? And and like I told you when I, I before we started, I invited you. I know exactly who you are and I wanted you to show up, right? You didn't no. have to put on a costume. You don't have to right. pretend to be somebody or not. Because I definitely think, again, just pulling it back to women in leadership, the more that we are courageous enough to be authentic, to bring our whole selves, our real selves, what a beauty and unique opportunity we bring to the leadership table, to communities, to organizations, to, to church, to business, to, to uh, sobriety groups, right? Mm -hmm. To people who are looking to live in a new way. Uh, when we're willing to bring that authenticity, um, I think it's definitely a place that we can start to do that. Mm -hmm. It only gets there that way. I learned that in recovery, and it's probably the most valuable thing. Um, we have little chips that we give out to celebrate our sobriety and mark milestones. And on every one of them, it says, to thine own self be true, which is, of course, from Shakespeare. But what a wise thing, because that's where it's all at. That's where it all starts and stops. And today, like me, love me, dislike me, I... I, it's important to me that it, I'm real. Mm. And what I found is that maybe people don't particularly like me. I'm not going to be everybody's cup of tea, but they're going to respect me. They know mm -hmm. they can rely on me. They know that if I said it, I'm in it. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to show up and do what I said I'm going to do, that yeah. I have some integrity, and that what you get from me is the truth. Yeah. It's going to be the truth. Yeah. It's good. Um, all right. So while we wrap up this episode, I like to leave with one piece of leadership advice. So what would be the one thing you would tell someone out there who maybe is wearing a costume? Yeah. Take off the mask. <laughs> take off the mask. It's safe because you are, you are wonderfully made. Okay. So live in that and, and, and be you don't compare yourself to anyone, but yourself. Mm. You know, am I better today? Am I growing today? Am I becoming the whole me that needs to show up in life and uh, just be willing to do it. Yeah. Well, thank you for being willing to come on here um, and be thank your authentic you, self and bring all of who you are. I um, really, really appreciate it. I'm really, really thankful that we got to have this conversation. Um, so something I like to do is ask for your comments, for your feedback. I'd love to start to incorporate your thoughts and your questions and what you're experiencing. So you can email those to sheleadscomments at gmail.com. That's come directly to me. And I'd be happy to do my best to answer those, whether uh, privately or on air. Um, and tune in. We're going to have a second episode with my wonderful mother. And she's going to bring in uh, another guest as well and talk about what she's doing now in the realm of leadership. So you'd want to tune in and um, be sure to catch that one as well. Uh, thanks so much for stopping by. We'll see you next time.